we're such professionals. It's Brooke Wilbur. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me on the show. Your work, is it spooky that I'm in the future? It's still Saturday night where Brock is in the US uh, and it's lunchtime where I am, which is the most boring thing that I'm going to say for the next hour. <laughs> I think we should start by saying that the group we're about to talk about isn't a cult. It's... Sure, let's let's say that. And wink, can you can you hear winks in an audio medium? Because that's what we're doing right now. They themselves say that they're a multi-level marketing organization, which is like Charles Manson saying, "I'm not a murderer. I'm just a bastard." I think and it's more like him saying that he does like uh, home deliveries, like one of those apps, like a Grubhub or something. Like it's not Uber Eats; it's Uber Murders. <laughs> This group, they're a multi-level marketing organisation that just happen to also have a charismatic leader, dire consequences when and if you leave, a complete lack of autonomy for its members and sacrificing almost all of your money, but not a cult. Absolutely not a cult. Let's, let's specify again for legal reasons <laughs> because uh, the, this is one of the things that like, I, I do love the show and and I love your book and the book does specify in the opening chapter like what you consider a cult to be and what professionals consider a cult to be and, and let's also acknowledge that uh, the group that we're talking about today checks all those boxes but also we are in the predicament uh, that this group is still functional and has a lot of money. It's not a cult that but it coincidentally has almost all of the accepted characteristics of one. Okay what are they called? They are called a Nexium. Oh, how's it spelt? <laughs> uh, it is spelled N-X-I-V-M, and those are all capital letters. So, you know, exactly like it doesn't sound. I feel like that's because the leader, who's a twat, just isn't good at writing curves. I want to carve this into a desk one day, so I'm just going to make them all straight lines. It, it should end with, like, the, the skater S that I grew up uh, carving into things. Yes! Yeah. Ne Nexium. You're not special, Brock, that everyone grew up with. <laughs> In fact, you've written an article about this, and I'll put a link to that on the Facebook page, on the Zealot Facebook page. But you had a, a close brush with Nexium, didn't you? Can you tell us about that? So uh, what happened was uh, end of 2016, uh, downsized out of a journalism job, and uh, my wife found uh, a listing for something. And it seemed a little odd on the surface. It was a new media company, and uh, their job was to uh, stamp out fake news. They were a journalistic group destroying fake news, and this was right Finally. after. Finally. Exactly. It was right after the 2016 election, and I didn't care that much for uh, entertainment journalism anymore. And it was like, it's time to do something that matters somewhere else. And saw this and was like, oh, that matters because like, you know, my my mom still like sees things on Facebook that are very clearly unreal about how, how Donald Trump has like destroyed ISIS his first day in office. And I'm like, well, does that website end in .com? And she's like, no, it ends in like .nz, .dek. I'm like, well, let's start there that that's not real. Uh, so there is... A real uh, issue uh, in the country dealing with that. So I was like, this is an interesting calling. It's a startup. What could go wrong? 
so I applied, uh, and the more that we looked into this uh, thing that was called the Knife of Aristotle, which that was the starting point. It was like the name is terrible. It sounds like something that like a, a freshman year philosophy major that's gone to like one class, like he wrote that in a journal. He's like, it feels deep. Uh, which, that's his that's his band. Oh, absolutely. Oh, have you come out to hear Knife of Aristotle? They fucking slay. Uh, so <laughs> No, I'm here to see the spoon of Damocles. Oh God, the spoon of Damocles. God damn it. They've got this terrible name. Uh, and I found out later the people that uh, followed through further in the interview process actually did ask them like, so what does the name mean? And they'd get like a 10 minute answer that never really went anywhere. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, that's kind of telling. Uh, that no one seems to know either. And on their website, they listed that they had a a patented process for stamping out fake news, but they they wouldn't show it to you. It's hidden behind a paywall. You'll never see the process, but also people come to take a class with them that they pay for to learn this process. They're very proud of the process. And then also there was a page that had bios for all the people that work there. Uh, and it was about 40 people and, and they all seemed to have like really good, interesting backgrounds. And I was like, okay, that, that checks out. But the, I love that in your article, when you, when you uh, <laughs> give examples of their, oh. their descriptions and you make the point that they don't say anywhere they've worked. It's just countries. It's like, I wrote some words down in Mexico. No one had anything that like was demonstrably trackable. Like it was like, oh, they studied in at, at Mexico University. I was like, I don't think there's there's that is there? Uh, and and then the other thing that they all seemed to have was that they all seemed to include something in the bio about how like the person grew up in money. Uh, and you know how when you're describing yourself to people, if you've come from money, you're always bragging about how you grew up with money, but now pursue Constantly. ethics. Uh, yeah. So my my business card is a fifty dollar note. People will remember you if yeah, you write your like, name on that. That's yeah. that's gonna pull that off. I kept applying here, and and we we're talking to them, and they offered me uh, a job, and I was like, oh, cool. Let's let's finally figure out what this all is. And they were like, quick thing, um, before you can start the job, you just have to pay your own way to fly out to the woods outside of Albany, New York, for a five week training course that you will not be paid for, and then at the end of that, you have your job. Uh, and I was like, so what's in the woods and they were like why do you keep asking so many questions just come to the woods the woods are a fun time uh, and that's where my wife and I started really getting into wouldn't it be funny if this was a cult because <laughs> I feel like when you apply for a job there's three big questions right. what is the job sure. what are you paying me mm -hmm. and when can I start see sometimes there's a fourth question of what's in the woods uh, and you don't always get That's to know what's in the woods. That's my first question now. I just always assume there's a bear shitting there. <laughs> and you didn't really get those questions answered. No, not particularly. And also, <laughs> I reckon it doesn't take five weeks. If you've got a, pat a patented method of picking what's fake news, how shit is it that it takes five weeks to train someone to use it? That's also a reflection on me where I was like, I have uh, bona fides um, mm -hmm. uh, in the in the background of journalism, like a decade of it. Like, what is there about the ethics of journalism that I don't already know that I need to know? And they're like, oh, it's it's like this whole thing. And it's very important. And people, they give scholarships to people around the country to come to this, but they also do charge rich people a lot of money to come to this of their own volition. 
so every level of that is already insane. <laughs> did you end up going? Uh, I did not because the training was supposed to be like a week after my wedding. And uh, I was sitting there with my wife. And, you uh, selfish bastard exactly i was like would it be possible for me to do this and she's like if you're going to do that and obviously get killed in the woods right after our wedding uh i need to at least like be in a hotel nearby uh so that like you can stay with me and we can check in and i was like i don't think anyone in the world has enough money for five weeks at a hotel in the woods outside albany you weren't rich enough to get a job with them brock how dare you right okay so the the Knife of Aristotle is just one of the names of the organisations that's sort of under the general Nexium umbrella. Right. I think I've got Stockholm Syndrome because I've been reading these company names for that long and they're so awful that I love them. I love them. Around the time that we all, that me and my wife and some friends sort of sussed out, this is absolutely a cult. Uh, that's when uh, a couple of journalism friends of mine, uh, including uh, a friend named uh, Carly, uh, who uh, was writing at a place called The Wrap at the time, uh, just started sinking some extra time in to be like, hey, I know like Freedom of Information Act requests, or I know how to like search this database. And that's when we followed like website registrations and certain money and stuff from the Knife of Aristotle back to Nexium. And it was like, okay, so what's Nexium? And once you Google that, that opens up the field because you can pretty quickly tell from the same information we were looking at that they had all these other fronts and their fronts included things instead of uh, so instead of like recruiting journalists to come to the woods there was stuff like for actors out of various cities across North America and there was stuff for people that were into yoga in Los Angeles uh so yeah there's all these different weirdo companies uh, where all of them were probably offering jobs to people and and training students in the in the acting side of things with a lot of money coming in. And then at some point, it's like, well, it's time for you to go yeah. to the woods. And I like that they use yoga because it gives me a chance to use one of my favorite jingles. Yes, there is. <laughs> but some of the names for things, I mean, the big bad one that we'll talk about later is DOS, and DOS stands for Dominus Obsequious Sororium. Once again, we're back to that freshman year college guy that's just like taking like a semester yeah. of Latin, and he's like, oh, this is going to get me laid. And indeed, that was the plan. <laughs> this reads like Battle of the Bands. <laughs> But that's Dominus Obsequious Sororium is broken Latin for Lord over the Obedient Female Companions, which gives us a hint. There's ESP, which is Executive Success Programs. There's one I love, and this I just wrote down every organisation uh, name I came across in research, so some of them are bigger or more established than others. The World Ethical Foundations Consortium. That's a 12-year-old pretending they're a charity and making up a name. There's The Source, which I think is the one that lures actors to the woods. There's the Ethical Humanitarian Foundation. And I like, this is spelt J-N-E-S-S. It's Jeunesse, which is mm -hmm. for women. And the Society of Protectors, which is for men. And the two logos, Jeunesse, the logo looks like an ad for a tampon. 
but Society of Protectors looks like an expensive college fraternity shield. One of my favourites, <laughs> though, is this is from Nexium's website. It's it, They say it's a new type of school to teach children as many as eight languages at a time, and it's called the Rainbow Cultural Garden. Because <laughs> they have a significant presence right. in Mexico. Um, and the the leader, Keith Ranieri, I want to mispronounce his name on purpose because I <laughs> hate him, but Keith Ranieri reckons that he's helping solve violence in Mexico. Good on you, mate. What a saint. He, he really is. You know, he'll, he'll be the first guy. to tell you. He's just a really good guy. We should go through the main people just so people know who we're talking about. So there's Keith, yes. <laughs> First reaction. He looks exactly like what he is. And I was I was messaging you earlier about how I love that point in research where you keep reading and reading and reading about a leader of a group and he changes in my head, right. and usually he, sometimes she, changes in my head from this nefarious Svengali to a pathetic nerd. And with the longish hair and the, you know, relaxed clothes that he doesn't know how he gets clothes, they just turn up, Uh, and the soft voice and the earnest look and the five o'clock shadow, he looks exactly like a nerd who had no friends that has figured out a way to get people to like him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that is that is one of the like you had the same reaction that I did when this first came up, which is like when you find out somebody leads a sex cult, I think the natural reaction is to be like that person is probably attractive enough to seduce somebody into a sex cult, uh, and that is not the case here. Uh, he looks like if Bill Gates didn't care about himself. We're we're allowed to we're allowed to insult one yeah. person here. That's uh, and that's going to be him. Oh, oh, so you you asked. So who else is in the play here? Uh, so uh, Keith, as a bit of background, and we watched right before it started. We watched this video of his very first venture, which was like a call-in center, and they hired one of the actors from Green Acres to introduce him, and it's just so goddamn bizarre. He probably asked lots and lots of other celebrities to endorse Consumers Byline, the name of his company, but. They probably all said no. I want to know how many people said no before the old guy from Green Acres said yes. I keep wanting to call him Keefy because I, you know, the aforementioned, we get to ridicule him. I like that nickname. I, that's going to stick Keefy. with me. <laughs> he technically went to Amway University. He was completely sold on the Amway marketing model and that became his life's dream despite the fact that he apparently has an IQ of 240. So he's going to save the world via the Amway model. (laughs) I've never heard it put like that and I really enjoy it. I'm sorry. I was doing last podcast on the left and they're like, oh, hey, we heard that he can't drive. And I was like, why can't he drive? And they're like, oh, he told his followers that his IQ is so high that if he's driving a car, he'll get pulled over because his brain will set off the speed detectors in cop cars. And I was like, that reads entirely true to me. You you can't even make comedy about Nexium and Keith because there's no possible heightening you can do. But, you know, some of the mythology was just, yeah, generated by him himself. He reckons he was speaking in full right. sentences <laughs> by the age of one. 
I want examples of those sentences. I think one might have been Keefe go potty. And it's like, so full sentences I need to find. <laughs> but he calls himself, he runs Nexium with Nancy Solzman and Keith wants to be called Vanguard right. and Nancy Solzman is called Prefect. It gives us a hint of a bit further down the track when we're going to talk about the genders according to Keefe. But there's also, oh so let's mention some of the other people. There's Alison Mack who was in Smallville, right. uh, and she's kind of the 2IC, the head recruiter. Right. That's a, that's a really good version of that. Yeah. Uh, Nancy Salzman's daughter, Lauren, is also quite high up because there's, there's the same distinction that right. you get in other multi-level marketing schemes like Scientology where the higher up you get, the more coincidental characteristics mm-hmm. it shares with a cult. But there's lots and lots of lower people that just they just need their income. They're just paying to be educated and not necessarily members. Right. There's the two main donors, Claire and Sarah Bronfman, and they're, most of the headlines containing them are the heirs to the Seagram Billions, the two main whistleblowers, one who was in the cult and left and one whose right. daughter was in the cult. Uh, there's Dynasty's own Catherine Oxenberg and her daughter India was in Nexium for a while. And Sarah Edmondson, who broke the story about DOS and the awful things that go on in there. And we should probably mention at this point as well, I got a lot of my information from New York Times, Forbes and the CBC podcast uncover escaping nexium but there's so so much information in the news out there and i suppose you've got most of yours from everything that's ever been written or said about them over the last two years this is a this is a thing that i think that i've wanted to talk to you about uh since we first became friends is that um i i don't write about cults generally uh this one uh invaded my life and, and you uh, have created this really cool show and you do this thing now, uh, which I do not think is necessarily tethered to the life that you have lived beforehand. But there is something, uh, as soon as that becomes part of your brand, that every time there is any news uh, for me about them uh, at Nexium or for you about any cult, I imagine that your your mentions are just flooded with people being like, have you seen this? My two best examples of that that aren't cult related, one is that my sister and I started a thing called the C&B initiative, which is the cock and balls initiative, which is any time you're on a flight, you draw a little cock and ball somewhere in the in-flight magazine for someone else oh my God. to find. And, wow, I just took that into What a wonderful gift. Yeah, and you take a photo of it and you, you post it on Instagram with the hashtag C&B initiative. The other is that one of my, I think in the first week, maybe month that I was on Twitter, I just tweeted how come you don't see white dog poo anymore? Because I don't know if this is the same in the States, but in Australia we used to see white dog poo all over the place. I don't know if it was out there long enough so that it bleached or if it had a high calcium content, but you don't see it anymore. So now, of course, on the extremely rare occasions when anyone does see some white dog poo, they send me a picture of it. Great. 
good, 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 good. One good. tweet, maybe 10 years ago, and now I get pictures of dog shit in my inbox. All right, so dog poo aside. <laughs> <laughs> so Keith's born in 19... This is just a quick run through his timeline. He's born in 1960. Sure. He gets enamoured with the Amway model. He starts Consumers Byline in 1990. Look, I read somewhere that there were 250,000 customers that brought in more than $33 million in a year. For that, he got a lot of attention and he was asked by the authorities to please stop doing that. <laughs> he and, Sol and Nancy Salzman started Nexium in 1998. But the kind of clever thing was, I'm not going to say he's a genius, but this was clever. Keith doesn't own Nexium. He doesn't. On paper, he is he claims he's a renunciate and he has no income and no car. His clothes just turn up at his house, their donations. Right. His name isn't on any of the official documentation attached to Nexium. So he was kind of clever, partly because he'd already, after the consumer's byline got busted, he told the authorities, yep, no, I I'm not allowed to do it, that anymore. I won't. So officially he's kind of not. Right. So I think he feels quite confident about his upcoming court case. Although you can't right. go to jail for running a cult. And I think he's kind of, he's probably broke more laws by claiming that Nexium is a company than he would if he claimed it was a religion. So when Nexium starts, he's attracting a lot of people and a, and a shitload of women in particular because, you see, women don't know how to improve their, their lives by themselves. As Nexium gets bigger and as the Bronfman heiresses join, more and more articles are being written about them and there's a couple in Forbes that stir up a little bit of attention. But still, even after that, Alison Mack joins. The Dalai, they convinced the Dalai Lama to come and speak. That threw me a bit. But I don't think, who's doing the Dalai Lama's publicity schedule? That guy's going to go wherever somebody's claiming to try and like raise the level of humanity and do something good. And if somebody here is like, I'm both trying to improve people's lives, but also I feel persecuted. I feel like that was probably a call that's like, you know what? Uh, I would like to come and we can talk for a bit about uh, ideas around positivity. Uh, and then my name will never be attached to this again. And yeah. it's, it's, if it goes well, it goes fine. And if it goes poorly, most people will forget. But I feel like if the Dalai Lama is going to endorse Nexium, he might as well also endorse Zumba. Where's the, he's, Where's the discernment? Come on. <laughs> well, and, and here's what you've gotten into here in this part of the story is that there were a couple of articles here sort of about uh, who Keith is and that he's a sham, but he was also being put on the cover of Forbes. Uh, and at the same time, like Nexium was kicking up uh, and big business people, big names were like, yeah, I went to their conference and it like taught me to do better at business. Uh, and so like he was getting quotes from people in the big business world and like it, it kept legitimizing. But whenever there was one of these pieces, basically they're like three or four years apart each time uh, that somebody's like, he's Wait a, second. A, a liar. Mm. And, and also like 
he's tricked these two like teenage girls that are heiresses each 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 time like one of these three or four year pieces comes out uh they take a playbook page out of scientology and it's just this immediate fuck you to death lawsuit that like the journalist behind this can never get out of like uh, one of the journalists from a piece from 2013 is still in court i think at, even after all this time and like no journalist has the money to keep fighting that the fytdl the fuck you to death lawsuit very good at that but he's still <laughs> maximum i mean i'm not saying that i can think of any cult leader or sorry marketing executive uh who is completely original but this is straight up just the Scientology model. In fact, they've used as part of their defence statements in their recent legal troubles that, look, if we're a cult, then Scientology is a cult, I'm paraphrasing. It, I think I texted you the night that this happened because I was like, here's the Hail Mary that they've thrown in court. Ugh. They've been arrested, but they're saying if we're a cult, then Scientology is a cult which means that they've made an enemy of Scientology, which means that now, like, on the off chance that, like, this argument works, it means that the U.S. government has to go after Scientology, but that also means that Scientology must be pumping so much goddamn money into this, like, case to oppose them. Wouldn't it be so amazing if two maybe cults just kept suing each other so hard that they both just cease to exist? Oh, that's so delicious. It is It is the best possible version of this is that they sue each other into oblivion and then all of us are just like, wow, actually no one had to do anything. Wait, Brock wasted wait. several years of his life and like it turns out <laughs> that the hero in all of this was Scientology. Scientology. Ah, it's very upsetting. There's no good ends uh, to this story from me. Wait, no, this is the good end and also possibly this episode's fictional T-shirt. Here it comes. Are you ready? This is how we solve yes. it. David Miscavige, Keith Ranieri, cage fight. You're welcome. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because I don't care if they both die. Okay, moving on. We've got (laughs) the Scientology model, which is the Amway model, pretty much is. Right. You keep your trade secrets. Oh, that's a really good point. Sorry. Yeah, the the Amway model would just elevate in Scientology. Like, yes, they're a few words change and you're you're there. <laughs> yeah. But basically, Scientology and Nexium operate similarly in some aspects in that you pay for knowledge and you pay for this incredible groundbreaking revolutionary scientific knowledge. But you're not allowed to talk about it. You have to keep these secrets otherwise they will go you legally. So you can't even tell your family and friends about it unless right. you convince them to sign up and pay money. Right. So, I mean, you know, if you're a cult, then your family is the enemy unless they have money and a pen to sign on the dotted line. In return, they promise you unbelievable success and you have to keep paying more and more to rise up the levels until you're incredibly successful. But Mm -hmm. people, they join because they want to be successful in their outside life. But they don't have time 
they're so busy taking more courses and recruiting more people that they become big successes in near the top of the pyramid in Nexium, but they're not becoming successful in their everyday lives. Anyone can promise you success if what they mean is we will make you successful in our company. I can teach someone to be a primo ballerina. Prima ballerina? <laughs> I can teach someone yeah. to be an Olympic gymnast, <laughs> provided I that I get to define what Olympic gymnast means. So you work at the Olympics company. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, congratulations, here is your gold medal. So it's meaning it's not actual success. People feel like they're uh, successful, but it's not actual success. I will speak to this in, in something that uh, fills out a little of the, the story that we left behind. Um, so I didn't go, uh, but I wrote this piece for Pace Magazine about the cult. And it was a big, scary thing because at that time, it had been sort of that three-year gap between somebody writing a piece. And I knew that the last person to do so was sued into oblivion. Mm. Uh, and I, at Pace Magazine, I write about video games and interviewing comedians. Uh, so like, I had to be like, excuse me, gentlemen, I think I have stumbled into something Yes. Of some journalistic import, uh, but your lawyers are going to need to spend some time with it. So they spent about a month like reviewing everything, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll stand behind you if they come after you." And I was like, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" Okay, so published, um, and uh, from what I've been told from other sources, in the next couple of weeks, a couple of hundred people, maybe at least a hundred, from one person they all left the cult. Like they were all sort of people Hooray. that were like, we're here and something's off. These are facts uh, and uh, we're going to go. I maybe did one good thing with my life. I think I've been a, a, a piece of shit in a bunch of different ways and like uh, always definitely an idiot, but at least like I did this one good thing. Oh, like, you absolutely right, so did. I have I, one. Yeah. <laughs> I started a cock and balls initiative. I have nothing. You have... <laughs> You got people to leave a maybe cult. That's incredible. Uh, I love that we're still doing the maybe. Keith and Nexium in general, is they're both good at maintaining the illusion of success and it's partly because a whole lot of the shit they say sounds like it means something but doesn't have to. So a right. lot of their beliefs, they say this is on the website uh, for the executive success programs and executive success programs are that's what you would have undertaken one if you'd gone to the woods. That would have been your five-week course. And they say that the mission of ESP is to develop an integrated ethical framework of human experience to stop the destruction of value in the world and move humanity forward to remove fear-based activities from the world. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. Doesn't mean anything. Oh my God. There's maybe two or three basic principles to the Nexium beliefs or, you know, manifesto. One is that you take responsibility for everything which is actually quite laughable because it turns out you don't. One is that you have to reprogram the things you learned as a kid and replace them with 
new values and beliefs. And the other is that people choose to be victims. Rick Ross, the cult expert guy, did a big Ross report on on Nexium and got sued because he quoted from their trade secret material. The Ross report, it speaks about that the thing where we choose to be victims and says, right. okay, does that count for, for example, a rape victim? Are they just choosing to be a victim? Look, it's troubling. From the Ross report, they also say that uh, according to Ranieri, do I say that a different way every time? I don't care. According to Keefe, human beings are born <laughs> parasitic. So we're born as parasites. Hey, any babies breastfeeding? Keith hates you. Okay. Apparently human beings are born parasitic, unable to take care of themselves. And many of the examples of parasite behaviour are presented, such as complaining about pain and suffering, such as saying, I'm hungry, and such as saying, I know I promised, but I had no idea how hard or painful this was going to be. And I reckon it's fairly smart for an organisation that pretty much survives by making people do things they don't want to do that are uncomfortable Right, is to make it a kind of law that people who complain are bad people who haven't who need to grow as people. I love that the thrust of it is that if you uh, complain about the existence of pain, you're wrong and a child. <laughs> yes, and you need to pay for more courses to get over that. So it's called they call it rational inquiry, and it's it's a crock. It's a crock. Of course, that's in hindsight. It's nothing that a cult offers is ever obvious at the beginning. And well, and and this is uh, so from the people that I know that showed up and I've interviewed that did the training in the woods. Uh, this ties into something you said earlier, where you're like, you know, they're borrowing uh, pages out of playbooks. One of them on their train ride out to Albany had been listening to a podcast about cults. I don't know if it's yours or not. I will check in. Uh, but, uh, they were talking about how, like, one of their first moves is to make everyone go vegetarian or vegan because, uh, all of a sudden you don't have the nutrients you need and your brain turns into jello. And of course, that's the very first thing that happened when everyone got out to the woods is like, by the way, you can't have meat, uh, for these next five weeks. And so by like Wednesday, people were just like making promises they don't remember. Um, but, uh, and they're skilled was- at making it sound Believable. It's like the Dalai Lama thing and it's like the lots of fancy company logos thing. It looks real, so it feels real. Uh, These five-week courses, there'd be a bunch of people in a room and everyone would break down in groups of like five for most of the exercises. Uh, And several people I talked to were like, so here's the thing. In my group of five, the other four people there for the whole five weeks were already members of the cult and I was the only one that wasn't. So yeah. when we were in, when yeah. we were in the little breakout groups, and I'd be like, "Hey, does this feel weird?" Everyone around me would be like, "No, man, why are you asking that? Everything seems fine and great here, and I trust it implicitly." Let's all like you know trust each other and share mm-hmm. our deepest darkest secret ever, ever, ever. So let's explore why that was your fault. Because if you can convince somebody that everything that they've ever done wrong is their fault. You can convince them to think anything, uh, and that's pretty hard to come back from. 
That's right. And there's, I am fairly experienced at recognizing what is a fun time and that is not a fun time. The things you taught within the group means that any time you question any of it, you're regressing and you're, that's one of your flaws that you need to work on. You shouldn't question it. And also it's all very, very clever that part of the mesh of this is that this is revolutionary thinking and people are going to be frightened of this and people are going to reject it like any other revolutionary, incredible new thinking. So the media will say bad things about us. The families will say bad things about us. The authorities will make things up to accuse us of, which means that when that does happen and it's inevitably going to, the followers go, Keefe said they would say this. He's a genius. So instead of being someone that people are saying bad things about, he's a genius because he predicted they would. And and that is why they need their own fake news agency to say, like, that stuff's the fake stuff. Uh, yeah. So that everyone else internally can believe that. Sure, why not? So I also want to get, with the beliefs, I also want to get into the bit that I find the most troublesome. And it's how they I talk can't wait about... to hear what this is. <laughs> they have, and I will say that the fact that in a lot of headlines they're called a sex slave cult, I think sex is this group's almost least interesting characteristic. It is. Fact, that is absolutely true. The number of interviews I've done where they're like, talk about the weird sex stuff. And I'm like, that's... No. It is, it is there and there is no need to like downplay it. But like, they have done so many crimes of so many types uh, yeah. that there is no reason that they they, and, they exist. <laughs> and this is, you know, big big deal. An ex nerd who used to have very wear very bad clothes wants to have sex with people that follow him. That's really predictable and yes. boring news. But one of the things that is vaguely sex related. Sexy, 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 sex. is what members of Nexium and what Keefe's attitude is towards the genders. Some of their beliefs are that, well, actually I'll read a bit from the New York Times on this, and it says, Raniere told followers that they must accept that women and men are wired differently. Men are repressed and do not enjoy the same rich experience of existence as women. I'm so sorry, Brock. (laughs) Just let me know throughout this if you feel repressed and we'll sort it out. But men have an understanding of right and wrong. Women can be disloyal, have tantrums and get away with whatever they prefer. Or as Nancy Salzman puts it, the crazier I get, the more I get. Nancy. Nancy, when have you... Oh, fucking... Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've never heard the quote before. And I'm having a very visceral reaction to Nancy. Yeah. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute myself and you finish the quote. <laughs> <laughs> it says, Keefe, I'm paraphrasing, Keefe also introduced a theory about ancient men that he called the primitive hypothesis, emphasizing that men are naturally promiscuous and women are naturally monogamous. Whilst I agree that that's a primitive hypothesis, I also did the maths and I don't think it checks out. If there's roughly an equal number of men and women, promiscuous men need women to be promiscuous. 
if they're going to have lots of partners, then they're going to run out of women if the women are expected to be monogamous. It doesn't check out. I'm very disappointed that a college graduate and a person with an IQ of 240 has 270 perhaps. <laughs> so men are designed to have multiple partners and women right. are not and complaining is a female trait and women should be obedient and they're not women don't want to have sex but men need to spread their seed so women need to stop complaining right. and being so indulgent and irrational and just lie down it's not my favorite part of this group it's not my favorite how do you even pick a favorite um, uh, when there's so many parts? Maybe I'm just complaining since complaining comes so naturally to me. And this is the broad stuff. I don't think you learn this stuff at the beginning, but it's also similar to Scientology right. in that the more you learn, the crazier it gets. And some people report <laughs> that Keefe also said that we're all reincarnated and you have to repair things in this life that you did in past lives. And he said that some people were Nazis in their past lives and that Nancy Saltzman was Hitler. That's cute, isn't it? Hitler. It's given this veneer of, oh, sounds reasonable, but there right. are some course, things where he just goes to the edge of reasonable. And from Keefe's personal website, because he's talking about the tools that he's developed, that he says most recently these tools are helping individuals with different neurobiological disorders, specifically severe cases of Tourette syndrome and OCD. I don't think that's true. Maybe people with Tourette's are just constantly feeling like they're victims. They should get right. over that and then they'll be cured. <laughs> Do 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 you know where it goes from here about the documentary? I saw that there was one, but I was maxed out. I'd watched the trailer for a Mexican documentary about how he's saving Mexico, and I'd sat through a bunch of the videos he has where he's talking to Alison Mack called Keith Raniere Conversations, and I was right. maxed out when I saw there was a documentary. I couldn't do it. Tell me about it. Uh, so it's it's actually one of the things that. Uh, Good Christ. Uh, so there's a guy in the program named Mark Elliott, and he uh, supposedly has Tourette's and supposedly Nexium cured him or has helped him progress with his Tourette's. And he's a he's a touring motivational It's amazing speaker. that that didn't make the papers. Re weird. Uh, so he has this mm. documentary that's playing uh, in like the festival circuit called My Tourette's. Uh, and it is about him and his stuff. And then it's sort of slowly over the course of the documentary eases into explaining like you know you should all be in nexium with me because that's what it should be and like people weren't asking questions about this my Tourette instantly makes me think of my sharona oh absolutely Which... it's a wonderful song now let's go into how they do stuff if sure. i want to do one of Nexium's courses, how much money, and I'm not about to be employed as a knife of Aristotle journalist, if I'm paying market price, right. if I want to do one of their three, five or 16-day courses, what, what sort of coin am I up for? I believe I was told that I was getting an education worth something like 15 grand. 
this is why you had to pay your way there and pay for your own lodging for the five weeks uh, was that like, look, they've already canceled out like that $15,000 commitment. Uh, and then uh, what happened, it, this is another trap that they laid, was that if you couldn't afford it, which no one can, uh, they would find somebody for you to stay with uh, in Half Moon Bay outside of Albany, which is a town that is owned by the cult. Uh, and everyone that lives there who is not like, they're not like practicing members of the cult, but they are all members of the cult and no one tells you that. So people would wind up like, uh, they're like, oh, we found a place for you to stay. It's in this person's like guest room. And they'd be like, cool. And that's when they would realize like, oh God, the whole town is this. Uh, and that's why. So it's less of, a, less of a classic compound and more of a, an almost Stepford Wives suburb. Going to the course, I get a sash, and these sashes, the sash oh, design no. is patented, which is just you get a different colour depending on how enlightened you are and how many courses you've got and a different number of stripes. So you're kind of an, a sergeant in the accessory army. And they do, there's a literal secret handshake where someone who's higher up than you has their hand on top. You're bowing and thanking pictures of Keefe and you're clapping as you enter the classroom. It's uh, mm -hmm. it's a bloody pain. And as everybody knows, if you do want to ask questions, the best time to, do, to ask Keefe questions is during the volleyball games. <laughs> so there's all these regular volleyball games that he hangs out and then you've got about a couple of minutes in between sets to ask him some questions and get Keefe's ear. They're evening volleyball games. That I can this almost is, get behind because This is such a so real dumb. big nightmare thing and this is sort of what makes it work. So, like, everyone tells you from the moment that you interact on any level with any of the organizations, like, by the way, Keith is the smartest man in the world ever. Such a danger to the government. But he's going to save the mm. world. With volleyball. Volleyball. There's so many layers of, of the cult that you have to work up. Uh, and it isn't until you're near the top that they'll even let you be in a room with him. And even then, like it is these volleyball like sort of pauses where he'll do a little walk with you. He doesn't say anything. He just listens. And then you leave thinking he's so wise. It's the same way that people thought Jared Kushner was smart for so long because like he just never spoke. Mm. They're like, wow. He must be a brilliant mind. Like, no, he just never talks. He never talks, and you can keep that going forever. And that's the, even the Bronfman sisters, the heiresses, they would throw money at Nexium. And kind of one of two things would happen they would either be repaid with sessions right. or, you know, unlimited talking access. So you're buying time. And that's when Keefe wasn't losing millions and millions of their money in dodgy commodities trading. There you this are. man with the high IQ being terrible at commodities trading. <laughs> but you can also, I don't think you get much time with Keefe at V Week, but I do want to talk about V Week because V Week is Keefe's annual big birthday party. It's just in case there was any doubt that he might be a little bit of a narcissist. No. Each year there's a whole week celebrating his birthday and it seems like it's a summer camp crossed with an open mic night 
where you just sing songs to him or perform skits or otherwise glorify hairy men. Keefe becoming a narcissist and also his attitude towards women uh-huh. led to DOS. And in a nutshell, DOS is the women's group that Keith claims was started and he, by Alison Mack and she claims that she started it. And when you join, you don't realise that Keith is behind it. You're told that it's a secret women's group that will change your life but you can't be told anymore unless you offer some collateral and collateral might be nude photos of yourself or your deepest, darkest secrets, times you broke the law or secrets about your family or husband or whatever. And it's like security or, wait, I think I mispronounced that. It's like blackmail. Yes. <laughs> and you join and you become a slave. Your name is slave and the person who got you to join is your master. And it's a mini pyramid scheme because eventually you too can recruit six slaves and so you'll be someone else's slave but also the master of six people. And apparently there were up to 150 people that joined DOS. And then you wait around a bit and you can get branded with Keefe's initials. You don't realise they're Keefe's initials or that he has anything to do with this. But then you find yourself doing pretty much volunteer work for your master, being at their beck and call, not questioning anything because that shows you you're not, you haven't learned anything and you're a stupid woman. And the least interesting bit, but the bit that the media loves, is that at some point you might be asked or by your master, who you have to obey, to seduce Keith and getting him into bed. Have I missed anything in this horrible, horrible description? Uh, there's a lot, but nothing we have to do tonight. Yeah. The whole principle of this is that you have to do something every day that involves denial. So maybe right. limit your calorie intake. Coincidentally, Keith likes thin women. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was so okay. dark. Oh, fuck that as well. So you're expected to act to do acts of self-denial like cold showers or, right. you know, bringing their master's coffee and and abstaining from orgasms. And masters are allowed to just text their slaves a single question mark and in within 20 minutes the slaves have to respond, otherwise there'll be there'll be punishments. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. Yes. And there was also, I'm not sure if this was just limited to DOS members, but I want to talk about these experiments called fright studies as well that I think only women were subjected to. Yes. But women put on electrodes. Yes. And watch some from films, some from real life, scenes of graphic violence and rape and dismemberment. Right. And just their brainwaves are measured and they're not told what the point of the study is or that they're about to be traumatised. Um, and then off you go home to not talk about it with anyone. This is the less fun So I mean, everything else has been such fun up till this point. But this 
is the less fun side? Uh, so the uh, the measurement thing uh, was the source of the first time that uh, anyone left the cult and went to the authorities. And they're like, oh, my mm. God, holy shit. They're doing clockwork orange in this place. She's just random women. And like it's torture yeah. and you need to go and get them. And the uh, the DA of New York like was like, OK, and this is something you've covered on the show before, but it is impossible to prosecute cults because you have to show that somebody is there against their will. And if you go there and ask like, hey, who's here against their will? Everyone's like, love this, love being here, want to be here in this weird uh, neurological farm. Uh, I gave my consent. Gave my consent. Exactly. I was terrified no that, I, yeah. that nude photos of me would be released if I didn't give my consent, but I gave yes. my consent freely. And, and and you hit upon in the process there that like as I mentioned, like the intro process is already giving them blackmail in that Scientology way. Hmm. This is like eight levels deep in like give us more blackmails. So like we have like seven layers of blackmail that could destroy your life and your family. But like also like I need some like nudes like it's so it is so insane and so then this hits on what happened which is that there is this internal feminist empowerment group which uh, has been described as basically like a, a sorority where it was like oh getting branded about the gentle gentle area with uh, the leaders initials is akin to like. We're all on spring break and getting uh, a tattoo. And this is um, every once in a while, they do something that is so clever that it makes me recognize how goddamn evil they are. For example, they're called Nexium. They're called Nexium because NXBIM is not what you would Google if you heard the word Nexium. It's just designed mm. to be like, you can't do this. And so if anyone Googled it, there was just nothing. So like, that's why they could work around the world in all these places, even though there's multiple pieces about them, because there's nothing for anyone to read in their own like language that says like, oh my God, this is a giant cult of assholes. People lying there getting branded, which they thought was going to be a tattoo and didn't realize it was going to be right near their vagina. They're screaming in pain because it's done with a cauterizing pen and burning into their flesh. Right. But they think if I stop this, if I say, no, I don't want to do this, then that's a weakness of theirs. And right. they have to show that they're strong because that's the whole reason they joined in the first place. They have no choice. And the extension of that is this terrible fact, which is that in the Albany region of New York, um, had, had Nexium tattooed these women around the, the pelvic area with Keith's initials, they would have been in violation of the law for doing illegal tattoos, and they could have caught Keith. Oh. On that. They could have Keith could have been arrested on that, but instead, they spent just enough time to be just enough evil to be like, okay, we won't do that. Instead, we will treat these women like cattle and brand them with a hot poker to avoid the laws on the books in this county. And like it is, it is that part Those of it that like they, they took the time to be extra evil. This is an awful, the only awful silver lining to DOS. I don't think that Nexium would have been busted 
if it wasn't for DOS. Yes. And the brandings and possibly the sex. And oof, it makes me shudder and gag whenever I mention Ranieri's, uh, Keefe's lawyer, Mark Agnifilo. Right. Because he's a piece of shit. And he said, wait, he's allegedly a piece of shit. (laughs) He says it's sexist to investigate DOS because men join secret groups and get tattoos and things all the time and everyone's fine with it. But this is women and they want (laughs) to. Sorry, I've never heard that. And he's saying. This is an actual quote from him. Men do these things. We call them Marines. Women oh do these God. things. We call them victims. No, 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 no. Eat no. a dick, Mark. Oh Jesus my God! Like that's—it's a ridiculous defense. This is why I'm quite convinced that that Keefe's going to jail because his lawyer's arguments are garbage. Yay! People got arrested. Some of them got bail and have accepted. Please. Right. Others like Keith is going to court and he's not getting bail because he's considered a massive flight risk. So, Keithy is charged with sex trafficking, conspiracy to commit forced labor, and now, interestingly, possession of child pornography because he likes 15 year olds. Right. Allegedly. Uh, Alison Mack is, except for the child pornography, pretty much accused of the same things. Right. Claire Bronfman and the Solzman mother and daughter for racketeering conspiracy. And also I think Kathy Russell, the Solzman bookkeeper, is samesies. She's also racketeering. And oh, Nancy good. has pled guilty. Yes. Yes. Which That's is why so we are here. <laughs> and I think they're scheduled the actual court case for April 29th. So right. this Unless I'm extremely lazy, which is, of course, I am a woman, so this should be out before then. Yes. We've repeated a lot of claims made by other people, but we can't call them things yet because the court hasn't. Right. But I'm so excited. My biggest dream, mm-hmm. although it's a shame because because Bronf- uh, Claire Bronfman has paid for everybody's lawyers. Right. My biggest dream is... For Keith to say, no, thanks, I won't have a lawyer, I want to represent myself. I fucking love it when people do that. I love it. Oh, uh, such a 90s thriller move. Absolutely. Let's see that. Here is the thing. Everyone beneath Keith Ranieri here is a victim. They absolutely are. And I know that he got some of them like a decade ago. And like their minds are warped and whether or not they can ever come back is so weird. If someone who's indoctrinated you makes you do something illegal, you've still done something illegal, but right. I think your culpability is lessened. But he should be on hospital toilet duty in jail forever, allegedly. Right. Now, that's, I think, probably we've just got a few random facts left. Okay. Random, random, random. Facts. I'm talking random facts. I'm talking random facts about cults and that. Cults and that. That is the most perfect thing I've ever heard. 
Is there anything kooky we haven't covered that you want to bring up? Frank Parlato, uh, who runs the Frank Report. Oh, yeah. He, he was hired originally as their IT guy, and then they hired him to be their PR person when they first got their, like, 2003 article saying that they were bad. Uh, and then he just witnessed uh, infinite uh, real estate crimes uh, and just wrote about all of those publicly. Uh, what sort of crimes? Oh, they tried to buy, like, places in the Hollywood Hills uh, and then tried to sue people out of them, like, insane shit. <laughs> oh, so they thought they were the big bad wolf, but just... Oh, absolutely. Realist, like, legal version. I <laughs> badly... I became fixated on the bit about Keith applying for... I think it was nearly 150 patents. Because I have I've long had a theory about people who apply for lots and lots of patents. They just want to make their mark on the world. <laughs> and right. it's it's kind of a in a desperate way. And these are some of the things I did a deep dive on the in the patent <laughs> office. And here are some of the highlights. So some oh, of the no. patents that Keith has applied for. Oh, One no. is continuous film and camera. I mean, we already have those. Right. Uh, methods for petitioning space. Okay. Again, you know, they might be minor improvements. A teleconferencing system. There Genius. we are. <laughs> Method for locating a lost or stolen phone. Again, you know, variations on a theme. Method for constructing custom orthotics. A combination wound and injury treatment apparatus, which I think was a kind of sling for a broken leg. A system for recording a musical group. Look, we already have a few of those, Keith. A device for <laughs> cloning biological material. Okay, great. He's kind of stepping on the railing. A time there. machine. <laughs> One that you're familiar with. Rating a level of journalistic distortion in news media content. That's oh my patented. God, how old is it? Yeah. <laughs> and, um... One, this is using Vanity Fair's words, which I like because they're kind of salty. It says, one example, the the method apparatus for improving performance is apparently a way of increasing performance on a treadmill by increasing speed over time. Layman might recognise this approach as exercise. And the examiner in that case rejected it six times. And the last one, which is about his fright study, because... Keefe calls people who he considers sociopaths, so right. women, to be Luciferians. And one thing he invented and applied for a patent for was determination of whether a Luciferian can be rehabilitated. Oh, my and God. And that's related to those fright studies where he showed them terrible, terrible murder clips. No. Oh, what an asshole. Yes. <laughs> And speaking of people that are not assholes at all, thank you very much for talking about good outro. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Seamless. Seamless. I know how involved you've been and that some of your writing helped some of the people get out. So, I mean, I know this is ironic considering I talk about (laughs) a lot about how bullshit religion is, but God bless you, Brock. I will. I will take that. That's so nice. Thank you. No worries. And also, please keep putting pictures of your wonderful kitty cats up on Facebook because I love them. (laughs) I'm so happy you like them.
can I be their Auntie Joe? Can you call them when you talk about me to oh your cats, God. which I assume you do all the time? Can you say Auntie Joe says hello? <laughs> oh, I'm a, a very sad journalist. You know I talk to my cats. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> all right. Well, I think there's there's nothing left to say except probably look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. Join a cult. Don't join a cult. My God. Thank you. Buy Joe's book. Yeah, buy my book. Thank you. Buy the goddamn book. (laughs) You've been listening to Zealot, produced by me, Joe Thornley, a person who has never seen Smallville or The Lion King. My co-host for this episode was Brock Wilbur, an extremely excellent human who is as tall as two moderately good humans. Further reading and vaguely recognisable initials can be found on the Zealot Facebook page. And music is by the Everglades, who has really nice manners. Cults.